You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Friends, I am so excited to be working with my friends at Clona Willy. They are an amazing, amazing company. They are do-it-yourself or dildo-it-yourself molding kit company where you can create your own mold of a penis or mold of a vulva so you can create your own sex toy at home. That's really, really cool, and I think it's really, really accessible for a lot of folks, too. They're, they, their materials are ethically sourced. They're really, really, really awesome. They're always there to help. I'm so excited about this company, and I love that I still get to work with them. So if you want to create your own pussy or penis mold at home so you can create your own sex toy, if you go if you go to clonawilly.com and use the code darkpod20 at checkout, you can get 20% off everything site-wide. They also have a penis pump for those of you that might be interested, which you can get at 20% off if you use the code darkpod20 right now at checkout. I really, really love this company, and I really, really love everything they're trying to do. So if you want to create your own do-it-yourself molding kit to create your own Pussy or penis mold, please go to clonawilly.com and use code darkpod20 at checkout. Thanks, friends. Bye. Content warning The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of 2024. Hey, friends, happy new year. Happy new chairs to you. And however it is you celebrate, happy new chairs. Um, Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to bring you the very first episode of Disability After Dark in 24. Whoa, we made it. Wow, we're here. We're in our, we're in our, Almost our eighth year of the show. The eighth year of the show will have its anniversary in September. Wow. Amazing. Thank you all for listening that long. Uh, that's really cool. But um, happy January, friends. Uh, let's pop into the new episode. I'm Andrew Gerza, your disability awareness consultant. And uh, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled. And let's do it, shall we? 
Just a reminder, as always, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month or more if that works for you. Also, there's a yearly option that you can pledge for a year. If you want to do that, again, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Your pledges really do help make the show go round, and I thank you for that. And if you pledge, you'll get the show a couple days early, or as early as I can, given my my editing process, um, and you'll get a shout-out on the air, kind of like this. If your name was Joe, I might say, Hey, Joe, way to go for supporting the show. They won't be good puns, but they'll be there. Um, and so if you want an awkward pun from me on the air, support the show financially if you're able to. It really does help the show going and helps keep food in my fridge. So I appreciate you. And if you want to support us in other ways, you can always leave a leave a review on wherever you get your podcast. I would really appreciate it because I make this show from my bedroom, as you know. So I'd really appreciate any support you can offer. Thanks, friends. But now let's get to it. On the show today, I speak with my new friend, Emmy, and and Emmy emailed me a few months ago and said, I've been a longtime follower of your social media, and I would love to come on your show and talk to you about my experience with disability. And I was like, of course I want to do that with you. Yes, I would, please. And so Emmy and I talk about her experience with... with... Seronegative... Cero spondyloarthritis, and we talk about how that's affected her, how that's changed her life, some of the grief that she deals with living with this condition, um, what it does for her and her partner together as she moves through this condition, and so much more. But one of the things that I really like that we touch on is her experience of wanting to talk about the negative side of being disabled. She also mentions throughout the podcast that she's a cripple, which I just fell in love with, because as you know, I am a cripple, too, and it, we just really got on like a house on fire, and it was really fun to chat with her, and it was really, really, she's really sweet, and I really enjoyed her sharing her experience so candidly, so bluntly. We had such a good time, and I learned so much about her, and I'm excited for you to learn about her, too. So, enough of my rambling. Get ready to meet my new friend, Emmy, right here on Disability After Dark. Emmy, hi! Hi! How are you today? I'm great. So excited to be here. This is, I've never done anything like this before. I wow, just is this your of, first like podcast ever? Yeah. I wow. just kind of sleep. Uh, you know what? <laughs> so many other disabled this. folks are like, hey, you're my first podcast. So that's always very nice. Thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. So bubbly and happy. Like, this I'm really happy to be here. Kind of nervous, but like, oh, why, why, why? It's it's nerve wracking to. Uh, this isn't like something I would usually throw myself into. I I have a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm diagnosed with severe generalized anxiety disorder, so everything to me is like very anxious it's it's a lot yeah especially new experiences and that's something I've been trying to get myself out of like the past year and then especially going into this year um 
have a lot of like agoraphobia so it can be really hard for me to like leave the house and everything so think like putting new things new experiences are always like the kind of anxiety inducing for me but well I'm happy you're here and we're just gonna hang out and chat don't worry yeah and literally just you and me on a zoom and and we just won't talk about what happens after that that's it's fine it's fine it's, fine. it's all good don't do work so I don't know much about you. Can you introduce yourself to, I think you email me and so we follow each other on the Twitter. Now, yeah. at whatever the hell Elon Musk wants to do with it. Um, <laughs> wow. He destroyed that platform. Remember when it was oh my Twitter? God. Right. Remember when Twitter was like a fun place to go and now it's horrible all over that. Now it's racism and transphobia all over the place. Yeah. And now it's just a nightmare. Oh, it's a nightmare. But I'm glad you found me on there because I've migrated over to Instagram, yeah. which is not much better, but I mean... Yeah. So um, I'm Emmy, uh, 24. I have been diagnosed um, with seronegative spondyloarthritis for going on four years now. Uh, The 10th is going to be like my four year diagnosis anniversary, whatever you want to call it. Um, Coming up soon. We're recording yeah. this New Year, so like yeah. a week. Cool. Yeah, uh- yeah. Coming up soon. Coming up soon. Uh, basically, my joints are fusing, uh, losing my mobility slowly but surely. That's kind of the the gist of um my disorder. Uh, if you're familiar with ankylosing spondylitis, it's like that, but with the, some extra fun things thrown in there, some little symptoms and things thrown in for funsies. It's like a spicy ankylosing spondylitis. Yeah, it's basically it, it's kind of like a blanket diagnosis because they're like it's kind of this but like you have some extra things so let's just just throw a word at it right so fun (laughs) um can you tell me before we get into like the diagnosis and all the stuff and you're going through can you tell me what well you already kind of went through but can you just walk me through which is funny because I can't walk can you (laughs) can you guide me through um (laughs) how uh, how it affects your day-to-day life and yeah for sure um it can be very very exhausting to do even just the smallest tasks um I have a very limited amount of spoons in my day-to-day I deal with a lot of chronic fatigue a lot of chronic pain um I'm kind of always aching like people get upset when or not upset it, it's like um they want to empathize, but it's, it's hard to, uh, with the condition that I have. Um, but when I have kind of told friends and loved ones that I don't know what it feels like not to be in pain, yep. it can, it can be very upsetting when they come to that realization, but that's just kind of what it is. It's always some kind of minor ache or pain. I get, um, spasms. So I have to use a cane so I don't fall uh if i you know really hot right now i know my friend yeah uh, my friend lucy dawson in the uk who has some cool disability that i can't remember right now she has disability that she uses really like sexy canes and they're all like colorful and they're really like hot and yeah yeah i want to get mine bedazzled like all oh, the canes, do it. like do i it. literally want to get bedazzled like uh, i'm not i'm not a mom but certified milf down the side of it don't know why <laughs> just i'm like you know what i have the body for it so i might as, i might as well go that route but like no kids just <laughs> just because i feel like it <laughs> just get, like disabled people are hot on it <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I love that you say that. I I love that. We've actually, we've followed each other since like mid 2020. Wow. I it's mean, been a while. It's been, a, it's been we've, we've been through pandemic times together. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And we're meeting for the first time today over the Zoom. Yay, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so you have trouble. You need a cane. Cool. And yeah, I have I have trouble with uh, a lot of trouble with my um, ability. A lot of trouble kind of getting day to day things done. I'm I'm always exhausted. Just being being in this amount of pain all the time, twenty four seven. It's it's very exhausting. It's almost like I have to force room for anything else. Like I have to also be a functioning adult outside of it, you know, um, and that can that can be really difficult. Just a, a lot of it is generally mobility issues. Um, I have trouble with mundane things from just like picking things up and cleaning to also like bathing myself why my husband is very lovely and will help me in that regard but I have um I have had days where I can't move and I can't bathe myself and he has had to do it for me um and th that's really hard like you you get all yeah. you get up to that and you deal with it like I had somebody bathe me too I had somebody bathe me this morning and like that's just been my day to day from the time I was like four. But I can imagine for you, you know, being a twenty four year old person and having the having the the symptoms come on, you know, when you're a little bit older, that it's really hard to give up that kind of um, vulnerability to another person, even if you're even if it is your husband helping you. It's hard to yeah. be like, oh, I need you to watch me because I can't do it. Yeah, it was very difficult. I sat there and cried for hours um, the first time that I was like, hey, I need this help. And it was it was very hard for me to ask for the help and also receive the help. It, it was just difficult all around. I had like a full meltdown, uh, just kind of coming to the realization that these things are going to be more common as I get older. Um, it's not fun. But it, it is what it is. I, I try my best regardless of, you know, whatever I got going on to do what I can, um, you while know, you, contribute. You yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, being active is also really hard, um, but it's also something I have to do to kind of treat what I got going on. Uh, so physical therapy is something I have to do. I kind of have to keep up some semblance of an exercise routine, but it is very hard to do something like that when everything hurts and I'm stiff as fuck. Yeah. Uh, I wake up some days and I just can't move because I'm so stiff. My joints are so inflamed that I'm just, I am where I am for the day basically. And it, it, those days suck those flare-ups well because you know because people between. think like people think like if you're taking selfies in your bed you can't move like oh you're just having a relaxing day you're like no i'm in like excruciating pain what are you talking yeah about? yeah like no this actually really fucking hurts like i wish i could just get up and do something and that that is such a struggle like mentally to be like god i just want to fucking get up and yeah. do it and i can't it's like you're you're uh like trapped in your own body no i mean i, I have different disabilities different experience entirely but i can empathize yeah. with that feeling so much because i need i identify as severely disabled and it's something that i've started talking about more and more in the work that i do because i can't get up i can't go to the bathroom by myself i can't roll myself over i can't 
you know, feed myself sometimes. I can't bathe myself. So I fully understand the feeling of being trapped. It's a, such a real feeling. And it's so hard in disability circles when you, because in disability circles, we talk about, oh, I'm not confined to my wheelchair. I'm not confined to this place. And I always have trouble with that a little bit because I'm like, well, I get what you're doing. I understand that. But sometimes you fucking are confined. To yeah. So sometimes you're stuck, man. Sometimes you're fucking stuck. <laughs> yeah. And I wish we could talk about like, you know, I wish we could have more open spaces, but like, what does it feel like to be, to not be able to do something? And the grief in that, like the grief in that is fucking debilitating. The, the like having no space to be like, I can't do this and I'm really sad about it and I can't show you how sad I am because I have had plenty of moments with that just even things like doing I I love doing my makeup I love getting like creative with it my hands shake a lot and sometimes it can be really difficult to do what I want to do or like doing my hair I don't do much with my hair because I can't hold my arms up for long periods of time I have given up defeated and just sat there and sobbed because I'm like, why can't I do this? So many other people can do this one thing that I'm trying to do and I can't. And it is, it's, it's so, so frustrating. I I spent most of my life living as someone healthy, but I've experienced these symptoms since I was eight. Um, so I've been, you know, that's dealing with this a for third a of your time. life. You've been dealing with this. Like, that's a long time. Yeah, I've it took 12 years to get diagnosed. Uh, just blatantly um, having, you know, doctors not really believe that I was actually in pain because I'm so young and going also, down because you're female identified. So they probably look at you and think, well, it's all in her head. She, she just... Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a 16 year old, uh, like going through the journey here, a 16 year old being like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. And they're like, you just want to get out of school. Yeah, you're 16. Like, but you know, that's such bullshit. Like, I don't like how we use how, well, the medical system anywhere uses gatekeeps, (laughs) like all that shit. I see the, I see the cat. Yeah. My, my big ass cat. Uh, (laughs) He's going to be in and out of the frame. Adorable. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, you know, I don't like how the medical system gatekeeps female identified people or AFAB people when they're like, I'm in pain. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're just fine. Whereas if I rolled in as a white disabled guy in my wheelchair, they'd be, well, they would still not believe me, but they believe me more than they believe you. And that's yeah. really a problem. Yeah. I mean, even even my mother didn't believe me for a long time. And oh, it, no. It, that must yeah. Have- it took a long time to actually start like the full blown diagnosis process because I had gone to doctors kind of here and there throughout the years um, and just got told, well, you got scoliosis. That It is what it is. And that uh, I do. But that's really all they would like look into. But like there's more to it than that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I would get a lot of. Um, so when I would tell my mother hey I'm in pain like this isn't normal I would just get well I'm in pain too and I'm not complaining about it it was Uh, very much like the right she's much better now a way better support she's definitely done the work over the years to kind of reverse that but it was very hard because at one point there was nobody on my side but me and I genuinely 
felt like, what if there isn't something wrong with me? What if it's all in my head? What if I'm making it up? So when the diagnosis finally happened after months and months of MRIs and blood work and, and testing and ruling out a bunch of things, it just, it was such a relief, but it was such a, it was like a new weight. Yeah. Because I'm like, fuck, now it's real. Now I have to deal with it. Yeah. And also like 24, we don't, when I was, when I, I've been to my whole life, but I couldn't imagine being chronically ill at 24. I remember eating fucking pizza and burgers till two in the morning and thinking, oh yeah, my stomach is great. And then now as I got older, I'm, I'm sick and I can't do lots. But like, I couldn't yeah. think about being, you know, having that weight. And so I imagine you're like, cool, I have the diagnosis now, but like, fuck, what do I do? Like, what does this mean for my life? Yeah, I thought my life was over. I re- I mourned, I grieved for like two months, just the, the possibilities of... um like all of my life possibilities. Of what your life could have like, been, yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is it. Like everything's over. It's, a, you know, I I was very, very depressed about it. Um, I want to do so many things. And I mean, now I'm, I'm kind of getting back into... Uh, trying to get those experiences that I've, I've missed due to the diagnosis. And then the pandemic happened right after my diagnosis, which was probably both a blessing and a curse because you're very like, isolating. Well, the world changes. You're going to have to think about all this shit, but also, Oh fuck, the world is changing. What do I do? Yeah. It was very, very isolating. Uh, Cause it's like, you can't really, go out the the medication that I take lowers my immune system's effectiveness to kind of uh slow down what's going on so it it just it became a very isolating situation and the agoraphobia is kind of as a result of that because I did not leave my house for so long when I did obviously was like masked up and yeah yeah. but I I left for bare essentials only i it was, it was like losing a huge portion of my life. I, my entire friend group at that time kind of also stopped inviting me to things once I got oh, that's fun for you. diagnosed. Yeah. They were just like, well, you know, we, we wanted to do this thing, but with your condition, we, we oh, didn't want to, you know, dude. bother you. They kind well, of look. tried to frame it that way. Oh, so it's, it's your fault that you're going to do Yeah. <laughs> And oh, I'm like, man. oh, fun. So just isolation on top of isolation on top of isolation. It, w- it was hard. It was definitely very, very hard uh, to just kind of start acknowledging it and dealing with it and telling people and just, oh. <laughs> and what, what was that? Because for me, like saying that I'm disabled is one thing, but saying I was chronically ill and like sometimes I'll randomly shit myself is a whole other journey of telling people that stuff. And so like, what was it like for you to have to be like, hey, here's my reality? Did you was it like a, a sit down, let me tell you something big conversation? Or was it like, yo, I'm just I'm I I have this? Kind of both. Like it really depends on the person. With my mom, I had to like sit her down and you know, like have a more serious conversation about it. She got super emotional. Um I ended up low-key having to comfort her just because she was like, oh, my child, like, going through this horrible thing. As we often do. With, with, <laughs> right, as, uh... right. But with my friends, I'm just like, yeah, I'm crippled. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just lay it. Yo, I'm crippled. I like that. I like that. Just lay it out. Just lay it through I, I, 
a lot of my friends don't actually have the full scope of like what that entails. I just kind of give a brief like, hey, my joints are fusing. I'm losing my mobility, like crippled and and, and leave it. <laughs> just, I, I, just crippled things. <laughs> I, I joke a lot about it. Um, Maybe a little more than I should, but no, my, I my... say good for you. The humor is important. You you don't laugh like right. you're, you're gonna cry about it. Like you said something right. a, minute, a minute ago that I was thinking about. You said like, you know, you said sometimes I stop and sometimes I just cry, and I say to you, good, good. You're allowed those moments, and you don't have to pick up for anybody, and you don't have to yeah. be. I want to just remind you, you don't have to put a face on for anybody. It is what it is. It's fucking hard and you're doing your best. And like, that's all you can do really. It is. And and like from one cripple to another, I don't expect anything from you. Just do, do your best. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I I try to be really like upbeat and positive about it. Um, You know, I have a lot of uh, like, you know, fuck that old friend group, but you know, um, my current group of friends, they are absolutely wonderful. So, so supportive of me. They're so accommodating. Um, they are like the best, my little, we call ourselves a bare minimum squad. They're, they're the absolute (laughs) best group of friends I could have. And they've honestly given me so much confidence in being disabled and I don't think I would have had the courage to like do something like this had I not had that, you know, friend group, that that support, that outpouring like love and support from them. And, you know, my husband as well, he's he's absolutely wonderful. I just have like the best support group now. So I have a lot more confidence than I did like four years ago at this point. But it, yeah. was, it was a really it took a lot to get here. Of course, because everybody was believing you and then you finally got there and then you had to console your mom and you had to console everybody around you and your friends were dicks and like, it's a lot to get to a place of comfort and and you will, you know, you're still really young, you will backslide, you'll have days where you're like, you know what, I'm not fucking confident today, don't give a shit about it, whatever. Um, I want to connect you to my friend Zach Kornfeld from the Try Guys because he has angulosing spondylitis and he could probably share a lot of stories with you. So I'm going to pop an email when we're done the pod. I am, I'm such a big fan of the Try Guys. Like, <laughs> not a, I, I, actually, I actually found it so ironic because I had watched his diagnosis journey very shortly before I got diagnosed. So as soon as I kind of got this, this diagnosis that I have, I was like, Oh fuck! Like we ended. I I've been a fan of the Try Guys since since they started back in like what 2014. Yeah, yeah. But I've watched all of them like grow and and all of the and scandals all the and <laughs> all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. things. And I I found it so funny and so ironic that we ended up with like the same diagnosis. No, he he is such a sweet dude, and we did a podcast probably about two years ago now. And I just said I just emailed him and said. Would you want to come on the show and talk about your talk about your diagnosis? Because oh yeah, he, within twenty minutes he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, what is happening? And then so we like we started talking, and I said to him like, I think you're disabled, and that's okay. And like we you know became friends from that. And he might you know I'll just pop an email and see if it's always good to have people in your corner who know literally what you're going through. You can I be like, that. yeah, I get it. So I'll just pop an email and see what happens. I love that. That is so cool. I'm like I'm so excited. <laughs> Not that but, I, 
not that anything will happen but we'll see oh yeah no just the possibility is like like uh, just like this like um you know kind of going into this I was like what's gonna happen like who who am I to you know who am I to like be on a podcast no no whatever like what (laughs) and it's I'm me as you can see I'm recording it in my bedroom like there's no production value here it's my house and I'm doing it um yeah so I want to ask you if it's okay I want to ask you with your relationship with your husband like because I know for a lot of us with disabilities and us crippled girlies out there finding um finding relationship and talking about disability with a partner that's not easy shit to do that's really hard and so a lot of us stay single or we don't date or we just like oh whatever I'll have a situation ship because dating you and telling you the whole truth is really hard how did you how how did all that come to be with your husband yeah of course um we met in 2018. We were both working at um, a Cracker Barrel at the time. We were both uh, hostesses. Well, I was a hostess. He was a host. Um, so we started out as coworkers. Uh, we developed a really, really close friendship. I was in another relationship at that time, a really horrible one um, that only got worse with my diagnosis. I was still with my ex at the time. But my my husband Anthony uh he we just kind of developed this really really close beautiful friendship I was able to tell him everything he was there through the entirety of my diagnosis journey when I started using a cane um about two months before I got diagnosed so October 2019 he would always uh be right there make sure I didn't fall he would always accommodate me um we just hung out constantly and he was really, really this huge support system for me through all of that. Um, we got together in May of 2020 and he going into it, he already knew what the deal was. Uh, we had already talked extensively about, uh, my disability and what it entailed and everything, because we just had that relationship over years. we developed this this really really close friendship and I could tell him anything so we had already had those conversations and you know before we started like officially dating we did have a talk of this is not going away this is something that is going to get worse over time and um if you're not okay with that if you're not going to be able to handle that then we can just have like a friends with benefits thing but like you know, if you're looking to have a relationship with me, you need to understand that this is a part of it. Like, we had this talk of sometimes you will need to help me. Sometimes I'll I'll need help moving. I'll need help doing these like day-to-day tasks, things that you wouldn't really, it's as an job. able-bodied person, you know, yeah. need, need that same assistance with. So we've been we've been together for going on four years now. Um, it was easier to have the conversation with him because he had already kind of experienced it. Yeah, I'm glad that I didn't have to dip into the dating pool because good fucking god, it's, <laughs> so- such, a, it's such a fucking trash fire. When I tell you the number of times that I've gone on a date or I've gone on an app or gone on like Grinder or Scruff or gone on somewhere and been like. 
hey, hey or Tinder and been like, hey, I want to like, let's go for coffee. And they're Yeah. like, oh, you're disabled. Can't deal. Or here's my, here's my favorite. Here's my favorite. And I think I told this the other day on the show. Can't remember. But if I did, if he didn't hear it, here it is again. So when I, I met this guy from the UK, came Uh over, huh came over to my, to my, to my neighborhood. And we were talking on the apps and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm very, very disabled. Just so you're aware. He goes, Oh yeah, no problem. So he comes, we have coffee and you know, in the gay male culture, when you say you're
to not being fine and to needing support. That's really hard. How, like we talked about it a bit before, but just going to a little bit more for me, how have you like come to terms with that or have you? I, some days I feel like I have, and other days I feel like I'm still grieving. It, it really, really depends on the day. Um, like I find comfort in knowing that I was right. Uh, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> As <laughs> you said. So egotistical. But no, is- I, <laughs> like I, I was right. Uh, <laughs> fuck the bitches who thought I was wrong. <laughs> uh, like I, I find comfort in knowing that I knew my own body enough to keep pursuing it. And, um, like keep looking for answers and that kind of gives me comfort and I'm like okay I'm just adapting to what I already knew I'm adapting I I knew something was wrong with me now I'm just kind of uh addressing it finally Yeah. yeah and the other part of me is like what if we just pretend like what if we just don't and it it can it can be really um it like I said, it really just depends on the day. Like some days I feel like I fully coped with it. And I'm like, okay, I don't give a fuck. Like I'll bring my cane to the club. Like Shay is shaking yeah. granny ass. Like I don't, get, I don't care. Yeah, like- but other days I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be perceived. Like I'm just gonna, you know, I don't, I don't really want to, um, show I don't the- really want to, yeah, show it. Exactly. Like I get nervous using, um, what are they? I call them cripple carts, but that's really not what they're named. They're like, like those little scooters, scooters at the grocery yeah, yeah. store, like with the the cart. Yeah. I get nervous using those. Um, because, because I look at you and think she's not really disabled. She's in that far. Oh yeah, I've been like confronted in grocery stores before. Like Ugh. somebody literally came up to me one day. I had my cane, and they're just like, "I can tell that's fake," and I'm like who pardon me who raised you why would you what i didn't say anything i was just like uh, 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 this was like maybe a couple weeks into me using my cane i was still very like unsure and i'm sure when they did that that was super helpful for you trying to transition into using it yeah right exactly um I've been like physically moved out of the way when using those carts. Like people have used their shopping carts to move me out of the way. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, I'm a person. Like, like just, I'm not a so, fucking object. So we're clear. That's assault. They touched you without your consent. <laughs> so you could, you could technically be like, uh, I'm filing a charge, whoever you are. Like, no. Yeah. It, it just, it really depends on the day for me. And I'm like 50, 50 on that. I've coped somewhat, but there are definitely areas I'm working on and I'm, I'm working on being okay with the fact that I can't do certain things. That's just the hardest part for me. I, I just want to go back to something you said a minute ago. You've talked a lot about how you knew something was wrong with you. I just want to cancel that from your vocabulary because there ain't nothing wrong with you. You're great. You have a disability. Oh, that doesn't, like that doesn't mean there's. And I know we all we all feel like there's something wrong. And I know we, that's the like common terminology we use. But yeah, di- like disability isn't wrong. Disability yeah. is just a part of the world. And so I just want to cancel that from your like thought process because there's nothing wrong with you. You're just a disabled person living in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I guess I mean I knew something was off. Like you know I shouldn't yeah, yeah. be in pain all the time 24 oh, no, 7 no. i totally knew what you meant i just wanted to like yeah remind you that like 
you don't have to see it as a wrong yes it's it's hard it's definitely hard not to uh yeah. i try i i try my best um 2023 definitely i i got um more adjusted to not seeing it as like an issue but just being like you know what and that is what it is like this is the body i have and i'm going to do what i can you know within whatever like limitations um, but it can definitely feel like there is something wrong with me, and especially when I'm trying to do the things that I love and that I want to do. And then I just can't do them for whatever reason, whether I'm in pain or my hands are shaking or I have a migraine, whatever the case is, it's just, it can be really exhausting yeah. to not think negatively about it. And you know what you're allowed to, but I just, I just want to remind you again from like one severely disabled dude to another crippled person like they can feel wrong but you are not wrong and I think that we have to remind ourselves of that all the time because like yeah. it's really easy to go to that dark place of like I'm wrong I'm the worst my body is horrible I'm a horrible person no one loves me like it's really the the pipeline from I'm wrong to I'm a horrible person is really short so like yeah <laughs> so like I just want to put that in the in the in the conversation that like I don't see anything wrong with you but I think those feelings of feeling that way are very valid and we don't talk about them enough um of what it feels like to feel like you're wrong it's hard because you'll always feel like you're two steps behind and like three steps over from the rest of everybody else yeah the I mean and and I love this about the disability community community but they are very very positive and it seems like sometimes addressing the negative side of oh wow I could, I could go off on you for a good 25 minutes but how i really feel about lots of things i you're right they're really positive but sometimes the positivity is toxic as fuck some but, yeah it, it's yeah it's just you know what? unfortunately i and i'll be really blunt here i don't think we're a community so much as we're like little tiny communities just trying to get by and like if you if you strike up the wrong kind of conversation with somebody about something and you want to talk about real shit sometimes it's they, it's hard to, to do that and so like i always talk about disability grief i always talk about disability negativity because we never fucking do we're always told to like right get up and move on and it's like i don't want to do that oh just uh, just be positive just drink some water do some yoga <laughs> yeah listen I hate I, that. I have been told that so many times. Just just be active. Just drink water. I'm like, thanks. That's going to fucking cure the autoimmune disease. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm like, where's the accessible bathroom when I drink all the water and I got to pee? What am I going to do then? Like, what's going to happen when, like, are you going to put a ramp there for me when I need to get to the bathroom real fast? No. Right. Sometimes the negative conversations are like, shamed almost like yeah, they're like yeah. yeah don't don't talk about it like negatively we have to be super fucking positive and it's like no some days it's really fucking hard and nobody talks about that shit and we uh, need to talk about it yeah i know that's my that's my wheelhouse the disability negativity is my favorite place not I'm i not love gonna, that like it's my favorite place because because i think that if we don't talk about it it just it just explodes out of us one day and then what do we do? And then, you know, what, where do we put that conversation then? And then, and then people think we are 
the angry disabled person because all of a sudden we explode and they don't know why. And it's like, cause you didn't give me a fucking outlet to talk about my disability negativity. Yeah. To talk about my feelings. Like, yes, you know, positivity is great. It's kind of what gets you through the day. Like you gotta just chug along, but like, fuck, sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I need to talk about it. And like, I don't need this be positive bullshit when I, when I, trying to like yeah. air out my grievances or like what what i see in the disability community a lot which i can't fucking stand i'm gonna say it right here when i see don't see the disability see the ability i'm like okay shut up can we can we can we see both things together can they can they work together how about that what about that or you're not disabled you're just differently able to i'm like no no listen <laughs> i am disabled <laughs> If somebody with a disability wants to use that term for themselves, also, absolutely. But if but if you if you put that on me, I'm like no no no. Let's let's first of all, yeah. I'm, I'm crippled. I'm a gimp. I am. I usually I'm severely disabled. I had somebody yeah. somebody get mad at me recently because I used the term severely disabled for myself, and I had to be like, you don't get to police that for me, disabled person. It's yeah who I am. That's- that's the thing. It, label yourself however you like. That is not my business. It's not me. But don't put your labels on other people. Don't tell me to call myself differently abled if I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I'm I, I I use the term crippled quite a bit. My mother hates it. <laughs> <laughs> she hates it every time. Oh, my, every my, time. my mom doesn't love it. I mean, my mom actually, well, she used to not love it a lot. We joke about it now. We will like joke and she'll be like, what are you crippled? I'm like, yeah, I am. And what? <laughs> and, but like, you know, there are people in the disability community that don't like it. And I have to be careful when I do this show sometimes because I'll want to make a joke about, oh yeah, we're just two cripples. And I have to remember like, oh, you might not like that. I'd be so careful because like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why I brought it out. I'm like, you can, you can say it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I say it all the time. I, I, swear I use the word cripple multiple times in a day uh referring to myself uh my my mom will just she sees it as almost like a slur like she she sees it very negatively so in her eyes I'm insulting myself yeah and she's like don't say that that's so mean like you know you're you're disabled and whatever I'm like it's not it's not that yeah, I'm like if I'm using it it's not that mean I'm like if you decide to call me a cripple on more t- I'm like maybe there's a problem <laughs> but yeah, yeah um what was I gonna ask I had a question lined up and now I forget see this one I should write shit down oh yeah can you so we talked about disability negativity a lot just now let's shift gears for a minute one of the things I think we also don't talk about enough is what does disabled joy look like for you um, getting first priority airplane boarding. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. it, it does. Uh, honestly, just I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. Um, I mean, I have noticed, like, honestly, the little like getting, getting uh the disability parking and kind of getting first priority boarding on like cruises and airplanes. I'm like, hi, fancy, fancy. <laughs> right um but I I don't know that I have found a lot of joy in it yet uh maybe just the 
like sense of community I get, um, you know, talking to other disabled people and being able to relate to them, um, doing little things to kind of make myself happy, like bedazzling my cane, like that, that's kind of cool, but I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm at the point yet where there's like a ton of joy in it. Yeah. I'm still going through the frustration phase. Yeah. And, and and my dog. <laughs> so cute. So cute. I we audience you can't see this, but the dog is normal. <laughs> Whenever a guest has a dog on on the stream, I'm like, oh my God, it's a puppy. I want to stop. Uh, my dog, their dis disability joint, my dog. Uh, I I love her. I have a um a 50 pound pit bull and then I have a 17 pound gray tabby cat. He's okay. a fucking big boy. Wow, big boy. Yeah, I was gonna say big, but my my family cat, he's passed away now, but he was about an orange tabby, and before he died, he was 22 something between like 18 and 20 pounds huge and it was like how do you how did you get so big right circling back real quick when when you said disabled joy I guess I'm just like a little I can I can have a hard time comprehending sometimes what is what does your disabled joy look like like maybe I'm a little unclear on what yeah, you yeah, meant yeah. by it but maybe if I get an example I can kind of portray that to you yeah, a yeah. better my disabled joy looks like naps in my wheelchair my disabled joy looks like community my disabled joy looks like doing stuff like this um my one of my I love consulting and I love talking to the biggest thing that brings me disability joy is talking to non-disabled folks and giving them that light bulb moment of like, oh, I never thought about that, but now, now I will. Like I do talks all over the world about my disability yeah. and my journey, and seeing that light bulb switch on for them, where they're like, oh, I didn't get it before, but now I'm slowly gonna get it. That fills me with so much peace because it doesn't mean that they're going to overnight change their behavior right away, and it doesn't mean that they're gonna do make everything accessible right away but it means that the next time they're in a room with a disabled person whether it's visible or invisible dynamic or static they're going to look at that person and go oh i can think about this differently now and that gives me so much joy in helping people through there and also reminding i love reminding people that hey you're going to be disabled too and i'm not saying that to scare anybody but i do it to be like hey it's going to be part of your journey and when it is part of your journey, you know how you weren't there for me? Guess what? I'm going to be there for you. Like, that gives me joy. Being an educator in the space gives me a lot of joy. And, and when I'm, when I'm, when, when I see infighting within our disability communities, I can go to the non-disabled community and say like, cool, can I educate you on this? Can I do it with a kindness? Can I do it with, because it's really easy to be, oh no, you're an ableist, fuck off. I could do that. But yeah. that's not going to help anybody. I want my joy in disability is helping you build a bridge between the non-disabled community and the disabled community. Okay. I, I get what you mean now. Um, Yeah. So the, the priority boarding is definitely a thing for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's still a joy. Um, those little, I don't, I don't know. Those little privileges kind of, kind of bring me a little bit of joy because I'm like, as they should i'm like you non-disabled you have nothing on me um 
I like going for drives with my husband. Uh, I'm kind of a little like passenger princess. Um, that brings me a lot of joy because it doesn't require, like I'm still getting out, but like it doesn't require um, a lot of like physical movement and things. Um, I would say having those talks as well really does bring me joy, specifically um, my sister-in-law. She she has a lot of those light bulb moments. We have a lot of conversations about my disability, uh, both physically and just I'm neurodivergent. So also conversations on that side of things as well. Um, and just kind of like those light bulbs going off on her in her head every time she yeah. asks a question and then we talk about it because she'll reach out to me I'm not necessarily the one reaching out but she'll just ask me these little questions it'll prompt like a two-hour long conversation where we just kind of go back and forth and she asks what she needs to ask I you know talk to her about like my experiences both mentally and physically and all of these little light bulbs go off and she's just like oh and I, I love that reaction yeah, out of yeah. people when when those little like uh realizations come to be uh and she's dramatic so I get the best reactions from oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> really, really love. oh wow I never understood yeah yeah those are my I think that really brings me joy of, of being able to sit with somebody you love and be like can we really talk about this um, but also like do I love doing talks and I love doing educational work and having somebody stand up and be like, and I talk about queerness and disability usually in a lot of what I do and having somebody stand up in the back of the room and go, you sharing your experience made me think about this differently or made me think about the way I treated somebody differently or made me think about, you know, what's going to happen to me when I need a wheelchair and I want to, you know, fuck a guy or I want to like go hang what's going to happen to me you know, they think about them differently and it's so nice to see them think about it and not have all the answers, but just be like, I'm going to consider it differently now. Like that's, that is such a cool thing that I get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's like what you do, like your, your platform and the way you talk about um, disability, honestly, so bluntly is something that brings me a lot of joy. I think it's really, really cool. Oh, uh, thank do. you, thank you. And when when you had followed me, I I was like, oh my god, like am I, am, I'm like, am I an influencer? No, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, it was it was a really cool experience, and just kind of that was one of my first, um, I guess, gateways into. Uh, looking into more like disabled creators and and kind of getting into that community a little bit um and that's been really really cool that's something that's brought me a, a lot of joy is I'm, just so, I'm so glad because I I struggle with with I struggle being a creator in the space I struggle like you said earlier about am I am I making the right kind of content am I doing enough am I saying the right things am I like and because we talked about earlier how a lot of the community is like overly positive. When I roll up with like, Hey, let's talk about disability negativity. People don't know what to do. They're like, Oh, what? Oh, okay. Just okay. like record stop. They're yeah. like, all right, sure. Like let's get depressing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm so glad that I could be a little part of like giving you the, like the bluntness I think is important and the blatant way we talk about it. We don't do that in disability. So I love 
being the one that's like, no, no, let's talk about what it feels like to be alone all the time or what it feels like right. to be, you know, to be watched by someone else or what it feels like to whatever it is. Let's go to that dark place for a minute and really mind that together. Yeah, kind of uh, giving giving people that perspective. Uh, honestly, giving um, giving a perspective that a lot of disabled creators won't. Yes, yeah. and that's why really, I'm really, really cool. Both loved and hated on on those platforms because I tell it like it is, and some people don't like that. Like when I bring up severe disabilities and I talk about it openly on my platforms, you you wouldn't imagine the stuff that I get back. And it's like I'm just having a conversation. I'm just talking about it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to talk. Yeah, <laughs> so like, and I think for you, as you come into this, and I like how you said earlier, like you're not in a place where there's joy necessarily in, in all the ways yet. That's okay. It doesn't. And some days I have it. And sometimes I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm not this. I'm out. Leave me alone. I don't want to do this. Yeah. But yeah. I, I try to find a balance between the negativity and the joy because when you can walk that tightrope, which is again funny because I can't walk for shit. When you can like go around that <laughs> that tightrope, um, <laughs> it can be really fun to to talk about both things together. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, I've had you know some really uh, fun conversations uh, surrounding it. Like I said with my friends, it's very much just I just fucking joke about it. I throw the word cripple out there all the time. Uh, with family, it's kind of been a different experience. Um, you know, I've been a little more serious about it because I have yeah. to be because they're the type if I if I make a joke about it, whatever, they're just like, girl, like what? <laughs> what? What it, are it, you doing? Yeah, yeah. Right. They're like, this is a serious thing. Like, why are you joking about it? And I'm like, um. And you're like, because if I don't joke about it, I'll cry about it. And I want to, I want to laugh today. Right. Right. Uh, just going back to real quick, you you did say that you get these feelings of like, are you doing enough as a like content creator? Like, are you making the right kind of content? Are you doing enough? And I mean, just like you said to me, like you, you are enough just as is, even if you weren't making, you know, this, this content and you weren't spreading the amount of awareness that you are, you could just be living a comfortable life, you know, out of kind of this like spotlight and you would still be. Enough. I would love that. I would love that. But getting a, getting a nine to five, I no man, it's too hard. Trust me. It fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I like it's too hard with my level of disability honestly getting a nine even an even a work from home nine to five is like no man i have too many too many needs that you people in my headphones will never understand i don't have the energy or the time i'm gonna right. i'm gonna make that bank by talking about my life and charge a hefty price tag for that and get paid and say thank you see you later like but in, like when i think about activism and disability activism I would love to stop and just go go get a job at a bank or something or go get a job at like somewhere. But then I'm like, well, it's so much extra work to have to go to your job and do all the it's so much extra so much extra time and energy that I don't have them spoons won't allow me to have. Yeah. I can imagine though that it's, you know, a lot of work to talk about disability the way that you do. Oh yeah. And I have I 
I have days where I'm like, I don't want to do this today. But I also am like, well, if I don't do this, then nobody will hire me. And I can't be myself this week. So I better just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get like that too. I Some days I just don't want to fucking roll up to my computer and clock in. And I'm like, Ugh, well, Not today. I'm like, well, I have to pay my rent. So yeah, here we got, go. Rent is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. is there, do you have any questions for me that you want me to answer about, about disability or anything? I wanted to ask a little bit, uh, because this is personally something that I am slowly coming to terms with, like in, in the future, as this kind of progresses, I will need like a, a caretaker, Yep. Um, as, as things kind of progress, I wanted to ask how, how was that for you? Um, kind of get, I, I guess hiring a caretaker for the first time as an adult or, you know, kind of your first experiences yeah. with that, like, how did that feel? That must be really vulnerable. It's hard. It's tough. I mean, I'm used to it now and I live in Canada and in, in the province where I live, the and the housing where I live, I don't I don't hire my own, so they're hired okay. through an agency. So I have no say in who I get, which is even harder because I have to just oh. be thankful that I got them. Um, there's two programs. There's one like I have, and one one where you can hire your own staff. The trouble with the one where you can hire your own staff is, if you have an emergency and they're not there, what do you do? Um, so with where I live, when I I started getting. I got my first caregiver when I was 16. My mom said, I don't want to shower you for a little bit. I want you to learn how to tell somebody else what to do, tell somebody else how to do it. And it was really vulnerable. It was really tough to be like, oh, this stranger is going to help me now. And I have to know, I have to be on my game about what I want. I have to be clear about what my needs were. Like you have to be, You have to be a micromanager of your own stuff. And that can be really exhausting when you're, either in pain or you're like in my case I was like 16 so I was like fuck you why don't I want to tell you anything figure it out <laughs> but like yeah as I get older I'm like you know what it's cool to build a rapport with somebody so I think when you need a caregiver it's gonna feel awkward as fuck for a little bit yeah. um and you're gonna have to interview a lot of folks who may not fit and you're gonna have to be really comfortable saying you know what you're fired thanks so much for trying it out bye um but when you yeah. find ones that work it makes the job easy like I have people here that I've known I've lived in this building for eight years and I've known these caregivers for eight years and like when they come in I've reached a place now where we're so comfy it's easy but when I first met them I was so different because whenever you meet a new caregiver you're like oh I have to trust you what the fuck what is this so that's going to take some time I think um and I think you just have to be comfortable being like thank you for trying it's not a good fit bye yeah, I can imagine it's exhausting to have to assert those boundaries, you know, over and over and over and no, over and dealing yet. with different caretakers and things. Um, that's, yeah, I, I can, I mean, I, you know, I don't have like a lot of, um, I don't have any experience with like caretakers and things, but just with my husband, I know it's easy to kind of communicate with him um, in terms of what I want. 
And even then, sometimes it's a little too vulnerable. Sometimes I feel like it can feel like shameful almost to like need these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way to get over that is to just post about that, talk about that more, put it out there and let the feeling live somewhere. Um, But when you do need somebody, you just kind of have to, you're going to have to do a lot of interviews and a lot of like, here's what I want. And spend time with yourself being like, what do I want from a caregiver? Do I want a friend or do I want somebody who's going to come in, do the job, be polite, get out? Because yeah. you want to set those boundaries pretty early so you know what you're getting when you hire. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing. And also you're 24 right now. So for now, just like enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sh- hopefully uh, shouldn't have to worry about that for a little while. But, you know, life happens, things happen. And um, as mentally not ready as I might be, you know, when the time comes, I'll just fuck it and chuck it like I just gotta go with it and and figure it out um kind of already things that uh, my husband and I have discussed and not super in detail but we have had little conversations here and there about a plan essentially um when I do require that kind of assistance so it's it's good to hear about um your experience considering you know you've you've had a caretaker for so long um and I also have kind of seen like your uh tweets and things about you know your experiences with caregivers both positive and negative and the negative ones scare the shit out of me sometimes me too the way the the way the care system in both Canada and the U.S. and North America in general is so and the world generally it's so fucking broken and we have to do so much better. We have to do so much better. We have to think of care as something that the government should be providing us. We do. We do. I'm I'm so glad that you have um you have caretakers that take good care of you. It that can I've seen so many horror stories and things and that's in a heartbeat. And like I'm I'm yeah. I haven't always had caregivers that take that have taken care of me. I've been in an abusive and it's not fun it's really hard so like but for now put that out of your mind and don't worry about that too much and if you're self-hiring just be really clear on what your boundaries are what you want um and also remember for them too they'll be nervous as fuck too so like you and it's a fine line to kind of straddle because like do you want to create a a happy a fun atmosphere or do you want like it's it's hard sometimes to straddle that those two lines and then sometimes I do it spectacularly and sometimes I fail miserably so don't be afraid to be like oh that one didn't work out because I fucked that one up oops let's try this again it's gonna take some time I mean that's like with anything you're either you either do it successfully or you fuck it up and you just gotta kind of roll with the punches and move on um this was such a fun chat. I had such a good time chatting with you. Me too. I'm. I'm. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity oh, to be no, on here and talk to you. Your email to me was so like bright and happy. I was like, of course I want to talk to you. Of course. Like, this so- has been so awesome. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Um, I want. How can the people, if they want to follow you, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, now I'm being an influencer now. Um. My Twitter is, uh, or X, whatever Sir Musk wants to call Twix. it. We'll call it uh, Twix. Yeah. 
Twix. Uh, my Twix is at underscore Emmy Emerald underscore. Um, that is my username on Instagram, uh, most any platform, really. Um, yeah, I mean, feel free to follow me. Most of my disability talk is on Twitter and it's also chaos. So <laughs> if, nice. if you want um if you want me to talk about disability and being a slut for dr pepper then go ahead and follow <laughs> me on twitch <laughs> oh wow well, well i'm so glad this has been a lot start uh but well, let's end it there this is so great thank you so much for being on disability after dark i mean it was so fun and we'll talk to you soon yeah. bye. bye oh where's it All right, friends. Well, there goes another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my social media, Andrew Gerza 6 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, although I never use it. If you want to follow my website and find out about my speaking opportunities, my gigs, and ways to have me come to your event, go to www.andrewgerza.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can get the show days early, completely ad-free, and a shout-out on the air. So if you want to support the show, you're able to do that. And please, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help shows like this about disability, which are very rare, get supported. Thank you so much for being with us and stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. Until next time, bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2024.